something creepy was when the dog just randomly barked looking over through like the patio door like the oh. big glass door yeah and like, no thank you yeah he does like to look in like the people going by in the park and stuff but it was maybe yesterday anyway it was so cold that it was too it was like um too cloudy or whatever frosted up you couldn't even really see mm. out there I think he was literally seeing like reflections because it was so dark too so you could yeah. basically you look outside and you could basically just see reflections from what's happening in the living room yeah. <laughs> I don't know he's a freak <laughs> super freak super freaky, uh, super freaky. I'm drinking some leftover white claws from last night <laughs> nice I'm drinking a chai tea so sometimes at work but it's been a long time since I had like a chai tea latte I used to have those all the time at Starbucks until I became a London fog bitch <laughs> yeah this I think is a chai tea latte should be yeah like I mean like, that's would be like my go-to if we were going like Starbucks or like you know yeah coffee places <laughs> all right well Welcome to Castles and Cryptids, where the castles are haunted and the cryptids are cryptic as fuck. fuck, fuck, fuck. I'm Alana. <laughs> I'm Kelsey. <laughs> and I kind of have something for our intro. What is it? Uh, <laughs> you know, I love doing just starting it out. I never know how to do it. <laughs> yeah. But whenever we end up chatting and stuff like this before the show, when we're not bitching about work slash doing housekeeping blah 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 yeah <laughs> bitching about the weather um I sometimes tell you about things that I've learned on the internet <laughs> or through yeah. podcasts <laughs> so I have a little segment this week it's uh I'm gonna call it things I learned this week okay I'm <laughs> excited some of it I may have learned earlier but I haven't told you yet so <laughs> things you told me you learned this week yeah <laughs> slash month <laughs> yeah sure. what is time <laughs> yeah um all right let's dive right in this I believe I first heard of it on a podcast because that's what I do I listen to podcasts <laughs> all day and then I'm like is that true or maybe I read something I don't know but then I had to read further into it because I was like I have not heard this um, so, you know, the actor Willem Dafoe. Yes. Is it, is it Willem? Cause it's spelled Willem. Yeah. Willem William, Dafoe. which is weird. I've yeah. always said William. So I'll probably say both. Forgive me. <laughs> Apparently he has an extremely large package. <laughs> <laughs> I did. Okay. I love Willem Dafoe. So <laughs> now we know why. No. <laughs> But perhaps we should just be calling him Willem. The fuck is in your pants? <laughs> what? So how, how? What was the context of learning this information? I'd like to know. That's the part I'm struggling to remember. Okay. <laughs> just probably reading something about movies. You know me. I like movie mm. trivia and stuff. And yeah, I do too. Well, yeah I can't remember I honestly can't somebody might have said a throwaway comment in a freaking podcast that was about something completely different and I was like what now <laughs> so 
I investigated for you. So you didn't have to Google that. Oh so. my God. There's more. Okay. <laughs> oh, I had to verify. What is this? Why is this a thing? Why would everybody know this? Or like, uh, act like they know it and I should know it. Um, I, should know it. <laughs> I felt like I should probably already know it. It's like sometimes when I'll like go and tell my sister something and then she's like, oh yeah, I know that. <laughs> or I'll tell you something on the podcast and you'll be like, yeah, I've heard that. And I'm like, damn it. <laughs> no, but I do the same thing. So yeah, yeah. I always want to have something new. Um, so what I didn't know is they had to use a body double for him in the movie Antichrist, which I haven't seen. Um, but it, it, he wasn't even naked in this scene. I think he was like a therapist, but the director said it was so distracting that <laughs> he didn't want that to be the focus of the scene. It was a very intense scene. So yeah, the director, Lars von Trier said he's extremely well equipped. <laughs> oh my God. And, yeah, they had to get a body double. And then it caused more trouble on the set of The Last Temptation of Christ, which I also <laughs> Was he playing Jesus? He was. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I thought. Um, I love it. What's his face? Was the oh Pat was like oh isn't that what's his face that plays Jesus? Um, the guy from Person of Interest, John, Cavie, Jim Caviezel, Caviezel. Yeah, <laughs> he played him in the Passion of the Christ. That guy in the Mel Gibson one. Um, but no, so Defoe played Christ. Very well hung, Christ. He said, <laughs> oh, that was terrible. I'm about to talk about how he was hanging on the cross. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's all I could think of. That's why when I was like, does he play Jesus? Because I just pictured him wearing like the fabric. And then I'm like, yes, it'd be very distracting. <laughs> right. Oh my God. I'm so sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> so he said, quote, it took a lot to get me on the cross. Once I got up there, I could only be up there so long because you're in this isometric um and then it was in a from an interview where they could see him so like he was demonstrating twisting his body <laughs> oh. which you can see but nobody else can um so <laughs> as i'm twisting um he said i could only once i got up there i could only be up there so long because you're in the isometric where you're like this crucified pose <laughs> insert crucified pose here. yes he's <laughs> miming it um <laughs> i'm also naked they're shooting a very wide shot. And I'm like this for a while. Uh, at that time, his penis goes out from between his legs. Oh my <laughs> I, God. Guess, I guess it becomes untucked. So Martin Scorsese, the director, called for, quote, somebody to, quote, fix that. <laughs> Sorry. So, uh, and then Defoe's like, there are only all these Roman stuntmen, these real macho guys. And they're like, I'm not touching that thing. <laughs> Finally, a very sweet guy from the costume department gets a little ladder and goes up there and tucks it in and we're good to go. Oh, <laughs> that's all I have on that. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. And as soon as you start talking about it, just for the fact that I've been rewatching Sense8 and uh, do you remember Lido? The spam... Mexican guy yeah yes yeah he has huge package and it's Cause very it... distracting every time he's in his underwear because you're like I shouldn't be focusing on that during this very 
plot-driven dramatic scene. Oh no, but they it's want you super to distracting. Have... Yeah, they want you to. <laughs> I love a good show that has an occasional penis. If we get to see boobs on all the time, then yes. Yeah. Give us some Game of Thrones, some Sensate, some Oz, some some full frontal male. <laughs> yeah. Only one of them went full frontal though. That was Wolfgang. In that whole series. Yeah. Yeah, he's the the only guy that showed more than just a butt. More than just a butt. Was it after the show last time we were talking about how sensate and then we're both direct? I was like, oh my God. Yeah. A bunch of those people in there. You said there was like 10 people from Sensate in the new Matrix. And then I was like, oh, it was by the same people. And I had like a brain (laughs) explosion. Yeah, the Wachowskis. Yes. I, I want to watch it now. I'll probably watch it after I'm done rewatching Sensei so I can like <laughs> fully appreciate them all in their cool sunglasses and long black coats. Oh, yes. This has been brought to you by Sensei and sunglasses and long black coats. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I do have two more quick things I learned. <laughs> I'm way too excited about this. <laughs> <laughs> This could be a this could be a segment. This could be something we do for our Patreon mini-sodes. I don't know. Let Ooh, me know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm always finding weird things on the internet. Like for t- today, for example, I got sucked in a comment thread about uh, the worst tattoos tattoo artists have ever given or seen. <laughs> <laughs> I wrote down a few of my favorites. There's a lot of things coming out of holes and stuff. Yeah, they were talking about that on Sonic Radio the other morning. And oh, really? the girl said that she had in high school a guy that was teaching himself how to do tattoos. And he was also in high school. And he oh. built a tattoo gun out of like a like Walkman motor. And he <laughs> tattooed, it was supposed to be like a some type of like shark or whatever, because they had gone on a school trip. And I don't know, she had encountered sharks. I don't know. Um <laughs> It was in like a safe thing though. And so she he was supposed to be tattooing the shark and she said it looked like a baby guppy with like a penis for a fin. She said it was really <laughs> bad. Um, and then she said for her 20 year reunion for the school, she met up with the same guy who is now a professional, like successful tattoo artist and he did a tattoo cover up for her. And I was like, that's cool. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. he did it on her. Yeah. He did it on her baby guppy (laughs) (laughs) oh Oh my god tell us if you guys want to hear about bad tattoos (laughs) um well so we have a bit of a running theme here so the second thing i learned has to do with nasa and their urination devices in space (laughs) they go i feel like i heard not recently about this, but I feel like I know a tiny bit about it. It's probably made the rounds, yeah. Yeah. Maybe people that have been on Reddit for a while in different places are like, we already know all this. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, NASA had to relabel their, I'm going to call them pea sleeves. It's a condom-like contraption for urinating in space. Um, yeah. because nobody chose the small size so oh, there was yeah. inevitably some slippage and spillage problems yeah I did hear of that yeah. it is apparently it is 
like I was reading this on Snopes. So it was saying that it it is um, true that they did have problems because nobody was taking yeah. small. Although um, it's probably been a little blown out of proportion, shall we say? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was first mentioned in quote, the spacesuit episode of Moon Machines, a 2008 science documentary miniseries documenting the engineering challenges of the Apollo space program. Donald Rethke, who earned the nickname Dr. Flush for his work on zero gravity waste management, stated in an interview for the documentary, sorry, <laughs> <laughs> for the documentary. I like to shorten things in my notes. That's uh, the why I don't, because I confuse myself. I'm like, I won't even... I won't abbreviate nothing. <laughs> <laughs> He's just writing out United States of America. <laughs> oh, no, but I'll always put USA in capitals. So I know for sure it's not just us. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, the, for the documentary, the size chart for the urinary condoms attached to the maximum absorbency garment spacesuit system had to be changed because astronauts refused to choose small. So, but the rumor that they had to change it to large, gigantic, and humongous is unconfirmed. <laughs> Same for extra large, immense, and unbelievable. <laughs> it's like oh. somebody going to get like extra large condoms and they don't need. <laughs> yeah. I've seen enough videos of people shoving their entire arm up to their elbow in like fucking condoms and being like you this is a small okay your dick isn't the size of my forearm <laughs> well I'm so glad you said into condoms though <laughs> no. uh speaking of videos that's the third thing the video I was trying to send you you can pull it up. okay that's I don't the, know if you see this that. third thing's the video chase there's a short video by a gorilla I can explain once it's <laughs> does it have do I need audio no okay no it's pretty okay. short um, so there he's floating around he's got a box yeah I was reading an article on people about this after I saw the the video about how it can get monotonous in space especially if you've been up there for a while <laughs> So what's he doing with this box? You'll see. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like, I have to just show it to her. <laughs> Otherwise, it's... What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> It'll ruin it if I don't. <laughs> no! showing her this video of a guy who brought a gorilla suit aboard a space station oh my uh, god <laughs> it was a gift from a very thoughtful brother i have this uh, uh, quote <laughs> explaining from the people article um Mark Kelly, a retired NASA astronaut, decided to send his identical twin, Scott, who would be aboard the International <laughs> Space Station for almost a year in 2015 and 2016, a surprise to lighten things up. 
I was on the phone with my brother one day and he said, Hey, I'm sending you a gorilla suit. Scott Kelly now 57 tells people. And I said, why? And he goes, because there's never been a gorilla suit or a gorilla in space before. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he initially sent it to him on this SpaceX mission, but which was unmanned, no people on it, but that blew up. So the first suit they actually lost. Oh my God. And then he actually was successful and brought it up. Um, Scott, the brother that was gifted it, he dressed up in the gorilla suit and then hid. And then the video that I showed you is when he posted to Twitter, February 2016, it shows him coming out of a big white bag and chasing British astronaut Tim Peake, who then rushes to get away in zero gravity. Yeah, it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> I mean, they're moving pretty fast. I'm not used to seeing people move that fast in space. They're normally like floating and kind of, and they're, they're motoring, I have to say. Wow. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Alien, we've been, in, yeah, I would think like, oh my God. Yeah, I thought it was really funny. Um, but yeah, the only other thing, it's mostly like, if you see the video online, sometimes they mistakenly credit Mark as the wearer of the gorilla costume, but he's the one that sent it, but they're twins. Mm -hmm. So how could you really know? <laughs> you didn't know them. And apparently the, it is, um, it's, it's not so fun, but it, they, they did kind of have to stage the part where yeah. the other guy is scaring the other guy. He's like, um, that's all staged that's why he's floating around swimming in the air we wanted it to look funny it was the end of my year in space uh said scott who retired soon after his return in 2016 so you need a little humor um but he did scare another guy uh at one point he hid in one guy's sleeping quarters in the gorilla suit when he oh went to open the door i busted out of there and afterwards i was a little worried that i could have given him a heart attack or something said scott laughing <laughs> jeez he also made a surprise visit to the Russian astronauts aboard the space station. Oh, I floated God. down to the Russian segment, he says. When they saw it, they were just laughing like you wouldn't believe. Then he recorded good. an educational video about what happens when you cry in space. <laughs> I watched it. It was just a short little Twitter. On Do Twitter your video. tears he could... just go up? He took this like bag of liquid because he was like, I'm not going to cry right now. <laughs> Yeah. And then he just squirts on like onto his eye, and then he's like, it just stays there. It doesn't do anything. And then he wiped oh. it off with like a towel. That'd be so weird. I don't like it. <laughs> right. Oh my god. So that was my little learning journey. <laughs> Very fun. <laughs> I don't know. It's definitely it's a segment I could do easily because I'm always seeing weird shit that I want to share with you all. <laughs> I feel like I see stuff and then immediately move on and it either it stays somewhere in the recesses of my mind but I can't like have the forethought to like write any of it down <laughs> yeah well it used to be back in the olden times before pandemics you could just go hey I could like see you when we used to work in the same <laughs> building and I'd tell you something that day you didn't have to remember like it for like 30 a times a day yeah <laughs> anyway how was your day <laughs> oh, good I didn't work that long today and then I came home and just yeah. watched tv oh, great the best it's too cold out to do anything again so <laughs> yeah that's all we can do to survive <laughs> that's true oh. oh yeah and this one comes out we're recording it the week of I just posted about um February 1st on the witchy calendar the wheel of the year it's in bulk 
or candle moss it's sometimes called it's mm. in between the winter solstice and the spring solstice yeah so that means spring is coming good <laughs> can't wait oh fucking god i hate the winter yeah it's been a rough one we had the longest cold snap in like i don't know 40 years or something we probably mentioned it <laughs> yeah not surprised it was like three weeks long of like almost like freaking minus 40 uh, it was i last i heard it was closer to a month but yeah it was fucking yeah. cold yeah Ugh. brutal i don't know it felt like 57 years so yeah. do you want <laughs> go because now i just talked for a while <laughs> sure put my headphones down for one second and they all tangle up oh my gosh i really? how is it possible i asked for the headphones for christmas that i have now and they were just like if i had bought them they would have been the best investment ever <laughs> the wireless yeah. yeah oh so if you go to the drive um mm -hmm. i made a folder called crimes of passion um crimes of passione passion. um okay. so <laughs> These are pictures, it starts off, these are pictures of Evelyn Nesbitt. Okay. Um, yeah. So, or Nesbitt, I guess her name is pronounced. Oh, like. yeah, I saw her picture. Yeah. On looking for a case. Mm -hmm. okay. So this one's kind of bizarre, and I kind of paint it. I don't want to say I love it, but... I hate what happened. Um, yeah. But the person that died deserved it and fuck them. Um, so, oh, yeah. Sounds a little intriguing. <laughs> yeah. That's why once I learned more, I was like, I kind of have to talk about this because it just seems crazy and it's just so, so old. Right. Sometimes you like read one little blurb about a case and you're like, okay, I need to know more. <laughs> yeah. So Evelyn Nesbitt was born Florence Evelyn Nesbitt, and she was born on December 25th of either, either 1884 or 1885. Okay. Uh, and she was born in Pennsylvania in a small town that was near Pittsburgh. And Christmas baby. Yeah, but <laughs> she actually doesn't know what year she was born. That's why the years differ. I wonder if she wasn't born in a hospital. We'll get to it. There's a reason for it. Oh. <laughs> um, so she was an American artist's model. Um, so it was like somebody that posed for like sculptures, sketches and stuff. Uh, okay. Yeah. And she was also a chorus girl. And so she performed on like chorus lines. Uh, yeah. And then she was also an actress. But she was best known when she was young and living in New York as a famous fashion model. And she was photographed for newspapers, magazines, souvenir items, and calendars, just as like the pinup kind of art genre was just starting. And fashion photography that was being used for advertising was just starting to kind of expand. It didn't really exist before then. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, yeah, she's, she's sexy. It's one of the, like, yeah. you, you look at magazines now and you're like, 
oh that girl looks good in what she's wearing if I buy that will I look that good (laughs) yeah right they they say like Evelyn is considered like Marilyn Monroe before Marilyn Monroe was born oh she definitely has yeah that kind of like sultry look to her her face yeah one picture she's kind of looking at you with those kind of sleepy looking eyes like (laughs) looking up yeah yeah there's coquettish (laughs) yeah there's just some sketchiness we'll talk about with these pictures (laughs) oh Uh, yeah so in childhood she was mostly known as Florence Evelyn and her birth records were actually destroyed in a fire and Evelyn herself couldn't confirm what birth year she had either 85 or 84 Um, And then her mother often also lied about her age to get around child labor laws so that her, so that she could work. Oh, yeah. So her mom didn't even probably know then? Yeah, her mom like wouldn't really tell her. Right. And Evelyn was the daughter of Winfeld, I think it was Winniefield or Winnefeld, Scott Nesbitt and Evelyn Florence. That's um the mom which is really confusing so she was born Florence Evelyn Nesbitt and then her mom is Evelyn Florence that's a bit much yeah (laughs) so I call well in like I guess as like a famous person she was known as Evelyn she like changes her name to Evelyn later on so I'll be calling her Evelyn and her mother will be called Florence okay Avoid confusing. Mommy Florence. (laughs) Yeah. And she is part Scottish and part Irish. Yeah. So her father was an attorney and her mother was a homemaker. And Evelyn later said she was closer to her father and always tried to make him happy with her later accomplishments she made. And yeah daddy's girl (laughs) yeah her dad sounds pretty cool he encouraged her to be curious and have lots of self-confidence um she said that she loved to read and because of this he had a small library that he set up for her that included fairy tales fantasy books and even books that just boys typically read that were kind of like adventure books nice yeah I love all those types of books (laughs) yeah so think of like reading that in the 1800s would be kind of crazy Um, yeah fantasy is a real good escape I couldn't always get into it when I was younger but I think that might have had to do with the type of fantasy books that were out there for young adults and stuff there wasn't as many no it's definitely better now yeah um so Evelyn later showed an interest in music and dance And her father also encouraged that and encouraged her to even take lessons. Aw, that's good. And Evelyn had a younger brother. I believe he's two years younger than her. And his name is Howard. Okay, so just Mm -hmm. the two of them. Yeah. So in 1893, the Nesbitt family moved to Pittsburgh. And Evelyn at this time was approximately 10 and (laughs) her father suddenly died at the age of 40 which is very unfortunate wow yeah he left the family completely penniless 
they had no money. They ended up losing their home and all of their possessions were actually auctioned off in order to pay any outstanding debts that were in the family name, I guess. Oh my God. And yeah. like, what about a funeral too? Dying it ain't cheap. Yeah, I don't know. Jeez. So Evelyn's mother, Florence, was actually unable to find work as a dressmaker, which is what she, or like seamstress, I guess, which is what she knew. And the mm-hmm. family relied on money um, from their friends and other relatives um, to get by. And they were moving around a lot. And we're sharing basically single rooms in a series of different boarding houses. So oh, like, no. Yeah. That's rough. Mm-hmm. Very hard life. So Florence often sent Howard, the youngest child, to live with relatives or family friends. And Florence was eventually given money to rent a house and was told to use it as a boarding house, like I guess the extra rooms, and that this could be a source of income for the family. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, learn something new. Sometimes that's what you got to do. You got to pivot. I mean, you started out in one job, but shit doesn't always go your way. You don't always like it. Lots of people change careers. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's cool, though. Hopefully she doesn't fuck it up. Uh, (laughs) Let's just say I don't like anybody other than Evelyn. Uh, Which is the daughter. Yeah. Right. Okay. So Evelyn at this time is around 12. And she's sometimes helping her mother by collecting the rent from the borders. Um, So she goes around and uh, Evelyn actually wrote like two memoirs about her life, which I want to read because they seem, I don't know if we'll get to it. Her life was crazy. Right. Um, Love a good memoir. (laughs) Yeah. So the one she wrote in 1915, uh, she would have been about 30 what 35 I mean no she would have been about 30 (laughs) oh but it yeah enough happened she wrote a memoir at 30 wow Um, yeah so (laughs) in her first memoir she later recalls quote mama was always worried about the rent it was hard a thing for her to actually ask for every week and it never went smoothly so Um, The source I was reading it from said that I guess Florence like didn't have kind of the confrontational personality to handle people that didn't want to pay the rent. So she basically passed that on to her 12 year old daughter to deal with these people. Oh, my God. She's got no fucking spine at all. No. Somebody gave her a place that she could use as a bed and breakfast, boarding house, whatever. And she's like, can't even collect the rent. That's like her one job. Well, not her one job, but. (laughs) Yeah, it's It's an important job. And she collected, they collected rent like every week. So Evelyn had to go around and do this every week. Okay. And the family did end up eventually losing the boarding house because the mother Florence was unable to run it. Damn. Yeah. So much instability for a kid. It, Mm -hmm. It sucks even as a kid being aware that you're kind of poor you know yeah it's like it's you you try and shield your kids from that I think as a parent and so yeah people don't want to like 
it's not, it's not good for your development to have to also be worried about your roof over your head and shit. Yeah. In 1898, uh, Florence moved to Philadelphia um, after being kind of recommended to move there by friends. And Evelyn and Howard were sent to live with a family that uh, I guess were family friends that like Florence knew. And okay. I think this was in Algeny. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, and Florence was trying to get a job at this time as like a seamstress, but she wasn't able to. But she did get a job as a sales clerk at the fabric counter of Wanamaker's department store. I guess it was like uh, a fairly popular department store. I feel like it sounds familiar. Yeah, I She's I don't like, think I've heard of it before, but um, once she got this job, sorry. yeah, <laughs> um, she sent for her children to join her. And Evelyn, who was about 14 at the time, and Howard was 12, they were back living with her. And they too began working at the department store, working 12 hours a day, 12 hour days, six shifts a week. Really? Yeah. Weren't they going to school? I don't know. How could you and also work 12 hours a day? Six days a week, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, I don't Eesh. think they're going to school. So while working at the store is where Evelyn had a chance encounter with an artist who was struck by her beauty. And this artist actually, at, she asked Evelyn to pose for a portrait. Um, and the mother Florence agreed after confirming like this woman like was an artist and that she could be paid oh it was a woman that makes it like sound so much better slightly better um yeah yeah. where someone's like hey baby yeah I take pictures of models and you're like ooh. like I used to work at um a lounge that was inside of a hotel and I remember like sometimes people would meet shady seeming guys there and say they were there for like a photo shoot and you're like oh okay at a hotel (laughs) yeah (laughs) a little bit (laughs) so Evelyn ended up sitting for this artist for about five hours and she earned one dollar uh which I think when I looked it up it said it'd be about thirty dollars today ah I mean I love that conversion modern day calculator (laughs) yeah okay Uh, that's not bad yeah so for five hours she made a dollar um and she was later introduced to other artists by this woman um that were in the area and she became quite the favorite model of illustrators portrait painters and even stained glass artisans which i would love to see like stained glass with her like I feel like that'd be really cool I didn't run across any um yeah no kidding it's like can you imagine being rendered in stained glass form right (laughs) just like a saint (laughs) wow um I think this is another quote possibly from one of her memoirs it says in later in life Evelyn explained quote when I saw I could earn more money posing in a posing as an artist model rather than working at Wanamaker's I gave my mother no peace until she permitted me to pose for a livelihood right she's probably like this is a much better gig yeah (laughs) I don't have to like do much (laughs) 
Yeah. So, so in the year 1900, Florence moved to New York and ended up leaving wow. Evelyn and Howard in the care of others. And she was again seeking work as a seamstress or clothing designer. Um, but she, this is in New York. So she was unable to catch any attention. And months later, she relocated Evelyn and Howard to New York as well to join her. And the family shared a single back room in a building in Manhattan. And he even gave the address. I didn't want to include it. Uh, what? Why would she yeah. leave the stable job she had? Right? Yeah. She's kind of... She likes to reach, I'd say, for maybe her own bit of fame, glory, money. I don't know. Right. Bit yeah. of a dreamer, to put it nicely. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So after the move to New York, Evelyn used letters of introduction that were written by the artists that she'd worked with in Philadelphia to kind of get in, in with the artists in New York and kind of start building a rapport with them, I guess. Oh, yes. You've got to get your portfolio together. While you're yeah. And... Before the days of like reviews or like you can do anything, you got to have letters of recommendation. That's true. It's the networking of the day. <laughs> yeah, of the 1900s. Yeah, I mean, so, they're, they're getting it. Yeah. <laughs> Starting to. <laughs> uh, Florence was then forced to take on managing Evelyn's growing career. And Florence later said she refused to let Evelyn pose nude. However, there are two, there are two works in 1901 that show Evelyn partially nude, which at what, in 1901, she would have been... 16 so not great uh, yeah so that was a lie <laughs> yeah I wonder if um, Evelyn Evelyn wanted to do it I don't know that's the, who that's who should give the consent but yeah that it is still a little bit yeah youngish I believe the like sultry picture you said that first one of her giving like the bedroom eyes I believe that's one of the ones when she's 16 and they're considering yeah. a little off-the-shoulder dress, partially nude? I mean, In the 1900s. Like off- yeah, I was going to say, it looks like an off-the-shoulder dress now, but it could be like a freaking nightgown or something. That I think it's meant to be. Um, you can flip through there until you, there's just like a bunch of like pictures. Um, there's also a book that's being written about Evelyn Nesbitt that's calling her America's Eve which I think is really nice because I really like the picture of her. She has like a little flower crown. Oh, okay. I'll have yeah. to see that one. I'm going to look. I think it's like the third. I have it labeled 3.5. Um. Hmm. Yeah, you can stop at the picture four, I think, which is like a side-by-side. Um. Yeah. So... Evelyn's career continued to grow, and soon she was one of the most in-demand artists, artists, models, that's really hard to say, um, in New York, and (laughs) this is really cool. She was featured on the cover of many magazines, including Vanity Fair and Cosmopolitan. Oh, Cosmo, you old bitch. (laughs) I couldn't find the cover of Cosmopolitan, but I did find the one of Vanity Fair, um I didn't save the picture she's basically just wearing a dress and it kind of looks like she's on the netting of a ship she's like holding 
Man, I don't know. Oh, I can't believe it's that old, those magazines. Right? It's like maybe uh, that explains some of the very, very outdated advice you would get in, in Cosmo, where I would like, I'd read it because there'd be funny sections like the confessions, like people yes, would write in, like I embarrassing those. moments. Yeah, I, I love them too. But then, like any other time they tried to give you like an educational article, it'd be mm. like how to excite your man and just like it'd just be all the dumbest <laughs> stuff that you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cringe. <laughs> yeah. But Vanity uh, Fair, that's a really well-respected. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she also appeared in fashion advertising for many products. Um, she, there's so many of them, it's insane. Um, she appeared as like, I think kind of a silhouette on sheet music. Um, oh. Her image w- appeared on beer trays, tobacco cards. She was on pocket mirrors and postcards, which I believe is the picture of like the blue... There's like a series of blue pictures. Two of them, I believe those are postcards as well as, um, and I couldn't find it, but she appeared as pictures for a Coca-Cola calendar. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, she had all of the merch. Yeah. Um, I don't, am I not seeing whole folders? Maybe I'm just dumb. It's like, I see... Four. Oh, 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 you know yeah, what? I didn't open up the actual folder because yeah. I'm a dummy. <laughs> it was just showing me the top ones. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm so stupid. There we go. That's why it wasn't making sense. Okay, holy shit. Yeah, there's a lot. Okay, there's the flower crown one. Yeah. Okay, yes. So blue. there's bluish. Yeah, there's ones of her like there's two side by side they're very blue like tinted pictures I believe those are supposed to be postcards with her wow it's like did they not do this before it's like the first I don't know yeah freaking brand she's she's working on her brand (laughs) yeah before it was Um, called a brand (laughs) so if you go back just quickly to the fourth picture it should be her kind of like profile she's got big hair and then there's a sketch beside her yeah it's kind of like um Elaine hair like anyone that watches Seinfeld knows how she uh, the first couple seasons had the big poof at the front and then yeah it's like tied back (laughs) um so this was uh done for Charles Dane Gibson who's one of who was one of the most renowned artists of the era And he used Evelyn as a model for his best known, quote, Gibson girl works. And this sketch that appears to her side was entitled Woman, the Eternal Question. And the portrait features Evelyn in profile with her hair styled into the shape of a question mark. Oh, that's what you're saying? I see how they, yeah, they've been... have a drawing on the side with just the hair so you can see better how it might and it was titled woman the eternal question which i think does kind of resemble a question mark yeah Yeah. i I can see it (laughs) that's Um, cute (laughs) yeah so evelyn began to prefer the fashion photography as you said uh to be more enjoyable than the shoots because Mm -hmm. or then or more enjoyable as the shoots were much shorter and she was paid a lot more um she was making when I looked it up I think I converted it 
she was making about $300 a day today for a full day of a shoot or like half that for a half day. Wow. And so I don't know if somebody makes 300 bucks a day today, that's still great. (laughs) Yeah. Even if it's more than a lot of people make. It's this is true. Yeah. It's still one of those jobs where you do have to make sure you have the bookings and stuff. Otherwise, like you're mm-hmm. maybe not making it every single day if you don't have a job yeah. that day. But yeah, it's like, wow. Shit, son. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She was really in demand. So all of her money was put into the family and their cost of living in New York, which was very high at the time. Because her so, mom decided that's where they should live. Right. Uh, Evelyn began to grow bored of the photo sessions and she said she didn't like holding the poses for such a long time and didn't like and started to not like the fashion photography where she had to like stand still in all these like awkward poses that they right. wanted all the time I so see. yeah they're always yeah. doing weird things in fashion photos yeah just like stand like this like yeah I used to, there always used to be a big fashion thing at the end of the glamour magazine and i'd be like yeah Ooh, look we're leaning up against a car we're in an elevator yeah <laughs> we're standing with our legs spread wide looking at you <laughs> yeah um so at this time um because of her popularity in new york and her beauty and everything she began to receive acting and theater offers Wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah. I mean, so, at least in New York, she's getting more exposure. It's a place like yeah. LA. It's a place where like actors and yeah, uh, celebrities live. Yeah. So Evelyn talked her mother into letting her like do it um, because it would help her contribute more money to their finances. And Evelyn was set to become a member of a show chorus line. Um, so she's going to be with like a whole group of girls like kind of doing the can chorus line basically yeah yeah. (laughs) um and Florence agreed her mother um this is where she starts to kind of be garbage in my opinion a Uh, little bit of a momager like she's like a Kardashian mom (laughs) yeah so Florence I guess only agreed to this and letting Evelyn get on the stage on the basis that some of the girls that were in the show that Evelyn was going to be in had been able to marry millionaires that was literally her reasoning so millionaires yeah we'll get to it let's just say they were millionaires in the 1900s and we're probably billionaires today and yeah Hmm. so while working in this chorus line Evelyn changed her theatrical name to Evelyn Nesbitt like officially um, before that, I think she was mainly referred to as Florence, um, but now she's being called Evelyn Nesbitt. Okay. And Evelyn was seen as the latest sensation. And as soon as she was done with this chorus line, she was offered another contract that moved her out of the chorus line and into the spotlight center stage as a gypsy girl that was named Vashti. I guess it's like quite a famous portrayal she did. I don't know oh um and she was written yeah she was written about in theatrical articles as well as gossip columns and they always mainly mentioned her appearance and stage presence um which I think stage presence would be good but the article I met read that from 
had it as a very demeaning thing that they would talk about her stage presence. Um, but they also mentioned that these articles rarely talked about any of her acting skills. It was always about her beauty. Which I say she has like kind of, I don't know, she's not like super beautiful, but she's got like kind of just like a simple, like everyday. Like, I mean, like, it might be different now that she, people are seeing her on film and stuff. There's some actors and stuff that I feel like they're just so magnetic. You kind of want to look at them and then you don't almost notice if they're not as good of an actor. Yeah. <laughs> You're just like, oh, <laughs> yeah. you're interesting. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I feel like, yeah, I don't. She, she looks like an old timey actress, but like. Yeah, but she's not like they there's one and you can see it in one of the pictures her teeth are like super messed up um oh yeah they haven't shown her teeth really no it's in yeah oh the bluey ones you can kind of yeah the bluey ones you can see it on the one picture and when you do google her it kind of like you can put in like evelyn nesbitt and then the letter t and it'll just come up teeth (laughs) um yeah was the early 1900s (laughs) yeah um so evelyn began attracting the attentions of many men um at her tender age of 16 sadly uh yeah that's where this story is super shit um including a very very wealthy man named stanford white who was nearly three times her age uh that's an age difference that I do take a little bit of umbrage with I'm okay with a few years depending on people's maturity because I think that that could you know but then it's like and especially she's not even an adult yet it's like no yeah you probably agree (laughs) so white was introduced to her by another cast member that was in I think the either in the production or one of the chorus lines I'm not sure Mm. um and white was married already and had a son um yeah he had a son and evelyn described i love this him as his quote imposing size as appalling and that he seemed terribly old i love right because when you're 16 Uh, people in our 30s seem fucking terribly old oh this dude's this dude's 48 right exactly so she's like he's about to die in her mind (laughs) uh so white was 48 years old he was a very well-known architect and i couldn't tell if he directly worked on or if like the quote-unquote firm he worked for um were responsible for the projects that built madison square garden tiffany's the washington square arch and the cornelius vanderbilt's mansion I knew most of those. (laughs) Okay. I'm like, I knew Madison Square Garden. Um, And I know the name Tiffany's. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. A bunch of other rich sounding things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Vanderbilt. uh, Yeah. yeah. Vanderbilt. Like, and Cornelius. Like, what kind of name is Cornelius? Anyway. Yeah, I don't know that. (laughs) So, this is where it gets worse. Are you ready? Uh, (sighs) I guess so. Yeah, the story's just going to progressively get worse and worse. I'm sorry. And this oh, wait, is why we're doing I'm... true crime. <laughs> yeah. And somebody has to get murdered. Um, yes, yeah, so it's I... always the one who lights up a room. <laughs> I think I said it to you before 
we started recording that mine isn't really a crime of passion yeah in that I can I believe it's a crime of of severe obsession just absolute obsession that fits it's yeah I wouldn't say passion as in like being in love with somebody intensely no it was obsession and it was gross no and sometimes when you hear crimes of passion you're just thinking of things that happen when someone's in like a blind rage or like like an oj simpson type of situation well they were already divorced anyway i'm not gonna go into that but (laughs) yeah like a jealous rage yeah but like yeah then you know a lot of the stuff you look up and the the lists and stuff it's like crimes of passion it's usually like yeah somebody kind of snapped for some reason or another basically yeah Yeah. um so we'll get to it because yeah this one's interesting um so white invited 16 yeah let me preface this 48 year old married with a child white invited 16 year old evelyn to his multi-floor apartment in new york and she said she was overwhelmed by the luxuriousness of this apartment and like all the furnishings because he's a millionaire and just went okay yeah um uh Yeah, she went and the two were there with another male guest that White knew that was named Reginald, Reginald Ronalds. Reginald is also a rich person name. Nobody else names their kid Reginald. Uh, Right? Reggie from fucking Archie Comics was rich. (laughs) Yeah, Reginald and Cornelius. Um, Rich people names. Uh, so thank god nobody's named that anymore we would have just lost two listeners (laughs) um yeah so evelyn uh stanford white and reginald are having lunch and nothing happens i'll preface that nothing happens this time so white had actually won over the nesbitt family like kind of as a whole So he actually, with his millions of dollars, sponsored them to be able to live in a better apartment, which he completely furnished. This is what she was looking for. Yeah. (laughs) He paid for Howard to attend military school and persuaded Florence to take a trip to visit her friends in Pittsburgh and assured her that, of course, he would be willing to watch over Evelyn while she was gone. Because he grows. I mean... By persuaded, you mean orchestrated all of this? It sounds yeah. like wow. That so, mom just don't care. Nope. Uh, while Florence was staying, what? Oh, that's a typo. Well, Evelyn stayed with White. They had dinner and champagne in his apartment. I was like, this wasn't her mom. Uh, <laughs> her mom, <laughs> Evelyn. Why did yeah what oh never I don't know you can look up pictures of these guys if you go a bit further um past what you can look at picture you could be looking at picture eight right now and just imagine this dude being another 10 years older than this picture because I couldn't find a more up-to-date one he got a crazy Giant mustache. Mustache. <laughs> oh, you can't like even street sweeper. <laughs> it, it looks like it's gonna take over his chin. 
Like it's that crazy. Where is the rest of your face? (laughs) Yeah. Imagine him about 10 years older than this right now. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Evelyn is staying with him and they were having dinner and champagne at his apartment and they went into something called, or something he called the mirror room. Oh, room. Yeah. Okay. Fuck you. Well, you got a creepy room called the mirror room. Is it on the ceiling? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I think it was completely mirrors, but I couldn't find out any information about the furnishing other than the fact that it only contained a green velvet sofa. So thanks for that. Um, Oh my God. And yeah. Okay. (laughs) So after drinking more, Evelyn was asked to change into a yellow satin kimono at his request and this is the last thing she remembers before waking up naked in bed with white laying beside her on like blood-stained sheets so yeah although Evelyn understood that she had been like raped or assaulted um she actually I didn't like the wording in the article because it said she allowed white to continue to see her and I feel like she didn't really feel like she had another choice because her family's poor. Yeah. Um, so you they often feel a lot of guilt for something that's not your fault when that happens yeah. and stuff. And she's 16 and stuff. So um, yeah. they saw each other over the course of the next year. Um, and yeah. Uh, <laughs> My before... face. <laughs> yeah. Just like, oh. Um, so, uh, she actually later found out, I'll just put, I'd put this in here. Um, she later found out that he had been quote cheating on her, um, cause they had had a semi relationship at least enough that like people in society knew that they were together. Um, it wasn't a secret or anything like that. So right. even though she's 16 and he's 48 and married, um, so yeah. she found out later like, I don't know when later, but she found out later on that he had been cheating on her with a whole bunch of different young women, I don't know what other ages, um, whose names were written in a little black book, because he's a fucking cliche. Uh, Yeah, he's just a big piece of shit. Yeah. Um, So I don't know when they really broke it off, but Evelyn did, after this, have an unsuccessful relationship in 1902 when she was around 17 with a 21 year old like man named John Barrymore who she had met at a party that White had thrown at his apartment and the two were very happy um it said like they were pretty happy like it was probably the best relationship um that Evelyn ever had and uh This is all before Florence and White orchestrated the pair to break up because they were displeased with the relationship, uh, mainly because the dude didn't have a lot of money and Florence, her mom, didn't like that. And White is just a gross person. Um, Right. Why shouldn't they control her life? Right. So they kind of orchestrated this breakup after the fact that they were in the room and witnessed Evelyn turning down Barrymore's proposal 
that had been made in their presence. So he had basically proposed they get married and Evelyn had said no because White and Florence, her mom, were in the room. Oh my God, what the fuck? Yeah. So it's kind of said that White basically was like, I'll sponsor Evelyn to go to boarding school in another city. Okay, cool. And did it. So she'd be gone. Yeah. Wow. Because now she needs school. <laughs> yeah. Now she needs school. Right. Um. So Evelyn was involved with a few other men. Nothing really happens. Um, however, White is basically a continuous presence in her life. Um, he's relentless and gross. Uh, Evelyn eventually met a gentleman named Harry Kendall Faw. Oh, equally okay. gross. Um, That's a name. <laughs> this is a competition, and I'd like to know at the end who you feel is grosser, Thaw or White. So, yeah, so because it gets worse. Thaw was the heir to a, at the time, in the 1900s, a $40 million fortune. Okay. You bridge. I wonder Um, if she knew that about him. Oh, she, she found out. Um, so she was described, or he, not she, um, Thaw was described as reckless, self-indulgent, and mentally unstable. He was also quite, had quite the abusive streak. Um, so he also was super obsessive about things. I feel like definitely had problems with addiction, which we'll get to like later on. Um, Thaw had actually attended 40 performances Evelyn had put on of one of her theater productions called The Wild Rose. Um, So he had attended 40 of these um, showings in about a year just to see her. And this is before he had, (laughs) yeah, this is before he had even ever met her in person. Um, Yeah. I mean, yeah. I love a lot of celebrities I've never met in person. <laughs> yeah, but going, I guess, if you don't have TV yeah. and can't just watch something, you'd pay to go see 40 performances in a year. Yeah, but I have a feeling he's going to take it a little too far. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's going to take it a lot too far. Um, yeah. So Thaw actually is the worst name ever. Thaw had a resentment of White based on his previous relationship with Evelyn. He was pretty jealous of that. And he believed that White was a womanizer who preyed on on young women, which I mean is correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think I tried. I tried looking it up. I don't know if I actually have it. In here. Oh, I do. Um. Yeah, Thaw is thirty four years old, so slightly more age appropriate. Okay. Yeah, and she's sixteen still, or um she is yes like 18 yeah I'm more okay with that yeah because yeah (laughs) so um Thaw um because they had never met he actually arranged to meet Evelyn um for the first time and he introduced himself as a Mr. Monroe And he continued to call himself that as he started to give her gifts and money. So basically what White was doing, he was giving her a bunch of money all the time. 
And when he finally tried to do this like huge big reveal that his name was actually like Thaw and he was super wealthy, um, he it's noted that he was pretty upset that Evelyn had very little reaction because she was used to the attention of very wealthy men. Oh damn! <laughs> Which he was I kind expecting of some sort of yeah. Like, oh, you're who? Oh. Yeah, she really didn't know and was like, mm, "Cool." Like, so <laughs> uh, well at this boarding school that she had been sponsored to go for go to in early 1903 Evelyn underwent surgery and the official diagnosis was acute appendicitis um, but some sources say that it was actually an abortion um, and that she had been pregnant with her former flame John Barrymore's child the one that she had turned down the proposal for but she liked him I thought yeah if that was the case it's like why wouldn't she because they're not together anymore and it's the 1900s yeah but she maybe get away from these fucking rich assholes i know (laughs) um so after this surgery it said that thaw like visited her and made sure she got the best care possible and like paid a bunch of doctors to treat her and then he became Mm -hmm. super super protective of evelyn and wanted her to receive the best medical care and after she had recovered just a tiny bit, basically, um, because she's still recovering from surgery. He requested yeah. that her and her mother travel with him through Europe. Well, she seems in her re- best interest. <laughs> yeah. Um, so th- it's said that Thaw created like a very hectic itinerary um, that was just like literally insane. And tensions grew between him, Florence, and Evelyn. And Florence actually kind of got fed up with it and decided to return home early to the USA while Evelyn and Thaw traveled to Paris alone. Okay. So while in Paris, Thaw pressured Evelyn to agree to marry him. And she refused because she knew Thaw was obsessed with female chastity and being a virgin, basically. And yeah. Yeah, it's really weird. I don't know why he has such a hangup on this, but it's a severe hangup. Um, so she knew that she couldn't accept his marriage proposal without telling him that White had raped her. And the pair continued to travel throughout Europe, and Thaw continued to interrogate her, basically, about why she wouldn't marry him. And finally, Evelyn told him what White had done. Okay. And Thaw has the weirdest reaction possible. He decides to take Evelyn to a bunch of sites in Europe that are devoted to virgin martyrdom. Okay, (laughs) sir. That was inappropriate to the occasion. And it's about to get worse. I'm just going to plow through this as fast as I can. He then took Evelyn to a castle where he paid the servants to stay on one end And on the other end, he locked Evelyn in a room and beat her with a whip and sexually assaulted her constantly over the course of a two-week period. Yeah, he's not fucked up at all. Yeah. Uh, Afterward, he apologized and multiple sources said he appeared upbeat and happy and stated that he still wanted to marry her. Uh, issues go self-flagellate yourself why don't you don't take it out on her yeah 
Um, when they returned home, Evelyn told friends what had happened. Like she told basically everybody um, what Thaw had done to her. And they all shared stories about Thaw, um, his past behavior, that he was absolutely crazy, that he was very, had like very addictive personality and that he took morphine. At this point, Evelyn is now completely estranged from her mother, who, and she's like 18, keep in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, So she's estranged from her mother, who had actually gotten remarried. um, And she knew that she had no other way to get herself out of like the poverty, basically. And she believed that her, because of her assaults now of two different people, that no other respectable man would marry her and that she resented White for not warning her about Thaw's behavior. I mean, they're like two in the same. They're basically the same person, but one did it more than once, basically. And pretends that he's holier than thou while he does it. Yeah. Yeah. So on April 4th, 1905, the approximately 20-year-old Evelyn, who after four years of holding him off, married 34-year-old Harry Kendall Thaw after he promised that after they would get married, he would live as a monk. And floor okay. yeah. and stop beating her. Right? So weird. Um, so Florence, her mother, came out of the woodwork basically and gave her consent, gave her consent for them to be married, but at and her offering her consent said that she requested Evelyn give up her theater acting and modeling and refrain from ever talking, give up her modeling and acting and refrain from ever talking about her past life. Jesus Christ. Yeah, this is why I'm like, I want to read this girl's like two memoirs because like shit, it's, there's still more. Um, She's just never going to have any autonomy in her own life. uh, She will so Evelyn moved in with Thaw and his family in Pittsburgh where she was trapped in their shallow view of the world that basically only focused on appearances and Thaw became obsessed with exposing White for his assault on Evelyn like he wanted the public to know I mean you did it too like fuck you just yeah I was getting confused as to which one was mad and he also blamed uh, white for his role in that was preventing Thaw from becoming one of quote New York's like social elite I guess they okay. <laughs> one source I kind of read said that like Thaw multiple times tried to throw parties and invite like a bunch of people and then white would like find out about the party and invite all those people to his place the same night and like sabotage Thaw's parties so he's mad and now he assaulted his wife that you he also assaulted um it's all very it's all very stupid um so white um it's funny because one source I read said that white actually thought very little of Thaw and viewed him as a poser and a clown so I just wanted to include that (laughs) He's like, he's my uh, personal nemesis. And the other guy's like, what? Who? He's a clown. And he's a poser? Yeah, he literally wow. said a poser. Wow, great. that's an old fashioned. I didn't realize that was such an old term. <laughs> yeah, right? I didn't either. 
<laughs> so on June 25th, 1906, because we're still talking about 180 years ago, not 180, 180, <laughs> almost 120 years ago. What is time? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Thaw and Evelyn traveled to New York and attended the premiere of Mamselle Champagne, um, some play that was on the rooftop oh. theater at Madison Square Garden. Great name dropping. Yeah. I didn't know they <laughs> had MSG. a rooftop theater. MSG. <laughs> I love that MSG. Um, so despite the heat outside, Thaw was wearing a long black overcoat and refused to remove it, as one oh, does when okay. one's being weird. At 11 o'clock p.m., as the show came to an end, White arrived at his reserve table nearby, and Thaw spotted his arrival and approached him after several failed attempts. Uh, are you ready? The yeah. twist <laughs> during the finale of i could live a, I could live i could love a million girls i could love a million girls and, uh, and i would be tired <laughs> yeah thaw pulled a pistol out of his overcoat and shot white three times in the head and back from two feet away killing him instantly so rapey number two killed rapey number, number one. one. Oh, okay, okay. But he got the girl. Why does he care? Okay. This is weird. Can they um, just both kill each other? That's fine. <laughs> right? I will. The world will be better off. So Thaw turned and addressed the crowd. Um, but witnesses reports vary as to what he said when he addressed them. Some reports said, quote, I did it because he ruined my wife. He had it coming to him. He took advantage of the girl and then abandoned her. You'll never go out with that woman again. And nope. <laughs> and in uh, in a book called The Murder of Stanford White, released in 2011, writer Gerald Langford quoted Thaw alternatively as saying, you ruined my life or you ruined my wife, just because they rhyme. Um, yeah, I could see. Yeah, people would get it mixed up. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I'll just say this is the only murder that happens in my story. That's I'm like, surprise twist. She didn't die. Um, oh, thank God. <laughs> right? That's I'm like, I kind of want to talk about this because I feel like the woman always gets murdered when you talk about crimes of passion. But it wasn't at first, looking good for her. She had at had first, it easy. <laughs> when I picked the story, I didn't know Thought also assaulted her. So it was like, oh, sweet. Her new husband, like, totally murdered the dude. It was vengeance. He totally deserved it. And then as I was, like, researching it, reading more notes, I was like, shit, he was even worse than the first guy. Oh, fuck. Oh, fucking date rape before it was a word. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so then I was like, I'm not going to cheer for him taking vengeance out because somebody should have also taken him out in my opinion um mm. so the crowd initially thought it was a joke and soon realized mm. that white was actually dead and thought basically was immediately taken into police custody and evelyn was able to leave the theater remember she's like 20 right now yeah. she was able to leave the theater in the chaos and spend a couple days in an apartment of another chorus girl so she let her stay there Okay. And Evelyn said of this time, quote, a complete numbness of mind and body took possession of me. I moved like a person in a trance for hours afterward. 
I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> You're widowed. Yeah. Stuff. So following the murder, the press was sensationalizing the killing. This is like, just blows my mind. <laughs> One week after the shooting, a film called Rooftop Murder was released for public viewing at the Nickelodeon theaters after being rushed through production by Thomas Edison. Oh, God. What the fuck? <laughs> well, I'm like, you I got Nickelodeon, Thomas Edison. <laughs> Just, oh. So, okay, that happened. Yeah. That is not uh, too soon at all. No, one week later, rooftop murder. Um, so... I mean, I was, oh, I shouldn't. You probably won't even laugh either. I was making meatloaf jokes after he, you heard he passed. <laughs> yeah. But then I was telling people that day and I'm like, he expired. Nobody laughed. <laughs> I was like, too soon. Okay, I'm sorry. I liked me though. No respect. No disrespect. Rip. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, you could basically um, click through probably the rest of the pictures. There's pictures of Thaw and there are pictures of them at the court. Um, pictures oh, okay. of newspaper headlines saying harry thought kills stanford white and jealous rage over actress wife and then it's yeah, got little okay. sketches of him shooting him in the face um oh dear <laughs> i mean it's salacious so, right yeah um it was so salacious and people were so like enthralled by what happened that women other than family and official news reporters were actually banned from the courtroom for what was being dubbed the trial of the century oh, like God. it was making news across america people were going crazy the for the and that's like when they named the world war one the war to end all wars yeah it was maybe a little presumptuous <laughs> the first trial of the century um but yeah. this one's quite intense yeah so for sure. evelyn was actually made out basically to be at fault for everything that happened Reporters were saying that she had sold herself to White and then later sold herself to Thaw. Oh, then that's yeah. how that works. <laughs> um, this is a quote. I'm not sure who it's from. I think probably the newspaper article saying, quote, her baby beauty provided her undoing. She toddled as innocently into the arms of Satan as an infant into the outstretched arms of paternal love. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I'm gonna try and figure it out when I listen back for editing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another quote said, um, she, um, her mother knew better and she knew she was sacrificing her, her child's soul for money. Agree, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And um, what's interesting is some churches even lobbied to restrict the media coverage to keep the full disgusting details out of the printed public media um because they were like being details were being printed in news papers right um, that is pretty gross yeah so in court thaw's defense team pleaded temporary insanity which was referred at the time to brainstorm <laughs> they didn't okay. call it temporary insanity it was called brainstorm and <laughs> yeah they free appropriated that term since yeah um thaw's mother who was fearful of thaw's past being brought into the spotlight um of him being like addicted to drugs past abuse 
people yeah. calling him crazy. Um, she actually hired a team of doctors at the time to a cost of half a million dollars at the time. Jesus so she, Christ. Yeah. Eat the rich. <laughs> rich yeah. people. Um, so she hired this team of doctors to report that Thaw's ran or that this was uh, a random act of violence that Thaw had done in shooting White. And Evelyn oh. later said, quote, the Thaws will put the biggest lunacy experts that money can buy on the stand. Harry or Thaw was a madman, but they will prove it nicely. As long as they do it nicely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's rumored that the Thaw family even offered Evelyn between 25000 and a million dollars at the time to testify in favor of Shaw, and that if the outcome of the trial was negative or that he was sentenced, she would get nothing. Oh. Um, the even backstabbing of the, like I said, I hate everybody in this story except for Evelyn. Evelyn's mother, Florence, was working with the Thaw's lawyers, and Howard, who's Evelyn's younger brother, actually blamed Evelyn for White's death, and he had grown to see White as a father figure, so he was really mad, and oh everybody my God. blamed her. Yeah, Great. her family sucks. Just um, backing it on to her, like she doesn't probably feel <sighs> shitty enough already. Um, so two trials were held one year apart as the first jury ended up being deadlocked. And the second trial, I believe, um, I couldn't confirm. It might have been the first one, but it was actually the first time in American history where a jury was sequestered, um, oh, which is wow. crazy. And this is partly because the details of White's assault on Evelyn was made public knowledge um, and it was like leaking through all the newspapers and right. she was being forced in detail to explain the events of both Thaw's and White's assaults on her um, to the courtroom as well as all the reporters that were there so they were basically just spreading it all to the press everything she said okay yeah. and that's why churches were kind of lobbying to keep the details out of the press because they were printing everything she said Poor girl. Um, yeah. So the second trial was held in 1908, and Thaw was found not guilty on the ground of insanity. But thankfully, he was sentenced to be involuntarily committed to the Matuan State Hospital for the Criminally Insane that was in Beacon, New York. And due to his family's wealth, he was afforded luxuries inside that were not normally provided. And Thaw began his mission of having himself declared legally sane. And that was an effort that took about seven years. And Dude, it got you off. Get right? over it. Yeah. The prolonged <laughs> legal procedures compelled him to actually escape um, from this hospital. And he managed to take a flight to Canada in 1913, um, where he was eh, briefly free. And then he was caught and extradited back to the U.S. But stupidly, in 1915, he was released from custody after being judged to be sane. So um, I don't think there was a whole lot of sane people in that case. No. Um, Evelyn visited Thaw while he was committed. This I don't oh. really like. It makes me sad. Um, so she visited it after he was committed. Um, so... 
Keep in mind, the second trial happened in 1908. Well, she gave birth to a son that she says was Thaw's in 1910. And she named him Russell Thaw and was adamant that he was conceived during a conjugal visit with Thaw while he was in custody. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Thaw, yeah, I don't know. Um, Thaw denied paternity his entire life. He said this child was never his. He refused to acknowledge it. Um, but uh, Evelyn and her son Russell did tour Europe. Um, and he was actually born or helped being born. I don't know when she was part of a dance troupe. So he kind of joined the dance troupe as a baby. I don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> she like gave birth right there. <laughs> yeah. Um, later, Evelyn starred in multiple silent films. And her son Russell even started, even starred along with her in at least six different films. Um, oh, so wow. if you flip through some of the pictures, there's one, there's a picture of her and Russell. Yeah, he's um, so cute with the little kind of bowl cut haircut. Yeah. And then there's one of the movie poster with oh. them that's called the movie's called Redemption. Um Aww. what? They called him uh, Russell Thaw. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. In at least six films. She also reconciled with her mother in 1911 and often had her look after Russell while she was away. I don't know if that was during filming movies or what. Um, and it's unconfirmed if she ever did receive any of the money from the Thaws. Mm. However, her grandson, who's named Russell Thaw Jr., so this is the son of her son, Russell Thaw, um, says that there's a family, like a legend, that she did receive about $25,000 at the time, and she actually donated it to some charity or something that the Thaws hated, kind of despite them. Um, oh my god. Yeah. So if it's true, I mean, go go Evelyn. Um, yeah, that's badass. <laughs> so in 1915, she divorced Thaw and basically the next year married her dance partner, Jack Clifford. And they starred together in a movie, I believe. And after starting a successful, or they started a successful stage act together in 1913. Um, however, Clifford left her in 1918 due to her past and the notoriety she had he didn't like all the spotlight Aww. um and they had lengthy legal baddie baddies battles <laughs> um over their divorce before it was fine before it was finalized in 1933 so did they have like, any kids no hmm, what the fuck they were fighting over then <laughs> i don't know uh in the 1920s evelyn uh, staged a cabaret dance comeback uh, and she started with Chicago's Moulin Rouge as well as others which is kind of cool <laughs> and in the 1930s she added a burlesque like aspect to her shows that she was doing Ooh. yeah this is basically everything about her life because I couldn't stop um, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you up until she dies everything that happened now basically <laughs> Uh, Evelyn struggled with financial problems, alcoholism, and a morphine addiction. Um, and sadly, in 1926, she kind of went on a bender after completing a six-week-long engagement. Um, I believe it was like a production, like stage production. Oh, and okay. 
She actually attempted suicide, sadly, by swallowing a bunch of disinfectant. Oh. And the doctor said that she probably would have died if her stomach hadn't also been full of gin. <laughs> so alcoholism saved her life, question mark. Um, unfortunately, gin. It's not a easy stuff to swallow. No. <laughs> kind of tastes like um, disinfectant. <laughs> yeah. oh. And however, like this all basically made like front page news across the country again. Oh, um, in January of 1917, Thaw was arrested because he sucks ass. He was arrested and charged with kidnapping, beating and sexual assault of a 19 year old, I believe, boy named Frederick Gump. And he lived in, sorry, I'm F. Gump? <laughs> F. Gump, um, not Forrest Gump. Frederick Gump, uh, he is from Kansas City, Missouri, and um, at his trial, the jury deemed Thaw to be insane, and the judge ordered him to be confined to Kirkbride Asylum in Philadelphia, but he was released sometime later. I tried to find the year. I couldn't. Oh, my God. Um, Seriously. It's like, oh, this one will try. Oh, wait, he's insane again. Guess we were wrong about that whole he's sane now. Right. Um, sucky enough, Thaw made his way back to Evelyn. He claims he had been paying her $10 a day throughout through like their attorneys as a token of quote pleasant memories of the past when we were happy. Who? Thaw. He says oh. he was paying her $10 a day. Okay. Sorry. Um, so he and Evelyn actually reconnected sadly. In 1926, they were photographed together. And in 1927, he attended an opening that she held when she was opening like a little cafe that was only open briefly. It was very unsuccessful. Oh. In 1929, rumors circulated that they intended to remarry. And by 1939, she was sharing Oh, this is, I should have put this in a different paragraph because this just totally goes off. <laughs> <laughs> what I was just talking about. <laughs> um, this is basically bullet points. By 1939, she was a she was sharing the bill with strippers. Um, so her stage productions involved strippers, and Evelyn, who was now in her 50s, stated, "Quote: I wish I were a strip teaser. I wouldn't have to bother with so many clothes." <laughs> she's like why couldn't I have just done this from the beginning like <laughs> wouldn't I have to go through yeah. all this crap um oh. so Thaw never expressed regret for the murder of Stanford White and 20 years after the event he reportedly claimed quote under the same circumstances I'd kill him tomorrow which I mean I agree but somebody should also kill you uh but yeah, Thaw, how are you any better right you did it uh, to another person also. Yeah. Yeah. So when Thaw passed away in 1947, it's reported he left Evelyn about $10,000 from his estate, which okay. at the time, and this estate was valued at a million dollars at the time. So, All yeah. Right. Well, she got a little. <laughs> yeah. Um. So in... Yeah, they said it was about 1% of his net worth. Um, so she would have gotten almost a million dollars in today's 
Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Because what? A dollar was $300. No, a dollar was $30. So 10,000 is... Somebody do the math. Uh, (laughs) I can't. I have to pee. (laughs) Almost done. I'm very almost done. Like literally just a few paragraphs. Um, So yeah. God. Yeah, a million dollars. In 1945, Evelyn became involved in the murder of a friend's husband, like the whole story of it. Um, Her friend's husband was named Albert Langford. However, she was later confirmed to only be connected due to their friendship. Um, However, that case remains unsolved. I won't get into it. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. No. That's crazy. Evelyn moved from New York City to California following Thaw's death. Uh, where she actually pursued sculpting. So she studied at the Grant Beach School of Arts and Crafts, which is so cool. It's called the School of Arts and Crafts. <laughs> and she graduated in 1952, where she later taught sculpting and ceramics, which is some of the pictures mm-hmm. I included is like her working on them. And she's so oh, yeah. cute. Yeah. Um, Evelyn wrote two memoirs, as I mentioned, about her life, which were published in 1914 and 1934. And in 1955, she served as technical advisor to the movie, The Girl in the Red Velvet Swing, where she was paid $10,000. And this movie recounts her early life as well as White's murder. However, it is a mixture of fact and fiction. Most most sources say a whole lot of fiction. Uh Yeah, it was a green couch, not a red velvet swing. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And while working on the film set, um she did actually collapse from exhaustion which is sad um in 1956 she suffered a stroke while living in LA and she did pass away in 1967 which is like almost 80 years ago it's crazy um yeah yeah, she oh so she passed away in a nursing home at the age of 82 which I love wait 1967 yeah she passed away in 19 that's not almost 80 years ago. Oh, no. 80, 60. <laughs> Sorry. Almost 60 years. Um, yeah, so she passed away at the age of approximately 82, because we don't know her <laughs> date of birth. Um, and she, oh, was, she was buried in California. Uh, Russell, her son, went on to become a pilot and then was a test pilot for the Douglas Aircraft Company after World War II. He became an, oh. yeah, he became an accomplished pilot, placing third in the 1935 Bendix Trophy race from Los Angeles to Cleveland. And he actually placed, so he placed third in this race and Amelia Earhart was also in this race and she mm-hmm. placed fifth. So he <laughs> beat Amelia Earhart. Um, there you go. <laughs> and just my last thing is that Russell unfortunately died uh, in 1984 at the age of 73 I don't know what he died I don't know what his cause of death was and I don't know what Evelyn's was but they were both I mean he was 73 and she was 82 so at least they lived long happy lives basically. yeah I mean that's yeah it's unfortunate but it's also like it's it's a it's part of life <laughs> yeah at least so they made it <laughs> to their yeah right she didn't years. get murdered yeah. She didn't get murdered in this I know, that Crimes was... of Passion episode. That was, yeah, I was expecting her to get murdered. Yeah, no. 
and uh, yeah I think you think I read like a little blurb about the story but I don't remember I was like somebody dies so much when I like clicked into it like I said it was like yeah and um her husband like murders the guy that like assaulted her and I was like oh that's so cool it's like some like (laughs) revenge shit and then I literally avenging boyfriends yeah yeah and then I was like literally I messaged you that I picked the case I had like a whole bunch of stuff research and then I literally opened it up the next day and like started reading through it and I was like oh shit he was even worse than the first guy Oh, I know, right? You think you know a story or you can yeah. tell from reading so much about it until you just read more and then they're like, well, holy yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Totally different. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or so, like, yeah, there's just so many more layers to everything once you start diving yeah. in. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's had a crazy complicated life and I want to read both of her memoirs. I think it'd be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think it'd be really cool. I... Yeah. I I own a few like celebrity you know yeah. autobiographies like so yeah. I'm like damn yeah they do have interesting lives that was crazy <laughs> yeah she she had a life I mean it's crazy but no kidding now yeah you can like look at the pictures and be like oh okay I yeah understand there's... a little bit more <laughs> I like there's so many more pictures there's like hundreds of pictures of her like on google and everything and Mm. different photo shoots and you can look up like different ads she did and stuff like that so that's cool because some cases you can't find any yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah take a quick break and then we can do your case yes good job (laughs) thank you Hi. Hi, we're back. Yeah. Yes, we have been, but I forgot to press record. <laughs> Thank God for Kelsey. <laughs> oh God, we were just saying that. Uh, mine's a little bit shorter, so it balances out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, I have for you a story that is about a parachute love triangle. <laughs> I, I think it was on I the ran, <laughs> yeah I ran across this one and I almost did it until I found Evelyn's and I was like yeah but this one sorry I read like a tiny bit not like deep dive into this but I know no I know yeah, names almost... <laughs> <laughs> so <clears throat> oh sorry yeah it's one of those um lists where it doesn't say too too many details and, yeah there's not a lot of details on this one anyway mm. but it's still crazy um so it's in <laughs> this takes place in europe in belgium and that Ooh. probably explains why the two main women's names uh, n- names name it's literally one name both of yep. their first name is else yeah like Elsa but without the A <laughs> yeah I was like uh I kept reading it and every time I saw it on a list of like crimes of passion I'm like am I reading this wrong every time <laughs> like, glitch in the matrix <laughs> yeah I was like okay <laughs> well I mean if you're gonna have a love triangle you might as well date two women that have the same name and then oh you don't God. have to remember what name you're supposed to be saying right? <laughs> that did cross my mind too <laughs> all right <clears throat> so else 
Klotmans is how I'm going to say it. <laughs> That's how it looks. <laughs> and Els Van Doren were friends who met at a skydiving club in Zwartburg that they were both a part of. Fun. <laughs> Um, so Els Van Doren was a 38-year-old mother of two married to an Antwerp jeweler, and Klotmans was a 26-year-old school teacher. Uh, okay. Yeah. So, yeah, they're friends. <laughs> and Van Doren, the older of the two, had completed about 2,300 jumps and was very experienced. Um, uh, so was Klotmans as well, uh, but I think probably not as, because the other girl yeah. was, what? eight years older or so sorry yeah, 20, woman the other woman <laughs> 2300 jumps is like insane oh yeah they said she went like every weekend like she just like spent the weekend there you'll see uh yeah they're both part of this club they like to skydive and recreationally and those people probably are very fun people like people that ride motorcycles i don't know <laughs> adrenaline junkies <clears throat> um because of their same names else van doren suggested a nickname for else klotmans she said we could call her babs <laughs> so which is know. funny because <laughs> my sister-in-law like in her roller derby group one of the first <laughs> friends she made in Edmonton her like her name like her nickname in the group is Babs and I'd never heard that before this is a very yeah seems like a 1940s New York kind of nickname I don't know yeah. it should have been in your case <laughs> yeah from the 1800s <laughs> you're just like her roller derby group I'm like what cool <laughs> yeah my sister-in-law was part of a roller derby derby group I think she was she was was it uh, I think she was nickname well her nickname's boots everybody calls her boots um boots yeah like okay. shoes like winter boots oh boots. okay <laughs> and but I think her roller derby name was booty and the beast oh cute <laughs> yeah because you gotta have a fun nickname kind of like a racehorse yeah <laughs> hang on all right <laughs> boots <laughs> yeah that's cute <laughs> yeah she kept calling her maybe baby boots Aww. i was like yes yes baby boots ankle boots no <laughs> short boots okay so of course only one thing could come between two fun living friends such as these what do you think what could come between such people a random dude who probably sucks. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, it's all back to the penises, just like at the top of the episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right. Stop. Probably he's probably not packing as well as William Defoe sounds like. Oh <laughs> no. And not that cute. And this is he's he was a Dutch man named Marcel Somers. So I did try looking him up and yeah, like I said, the only pictures I could find was like maybe one of him and Else Van Doren and it was not a good angle. <laughs> they were mm. probably about to jump. They were, you know, in a confined mm. place, but like he did not look that cute for two women to be interested in. I don't to each their own. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he, but he, yeah, he enjoys the same interests as them. Obviously they've maybe gotten to know him over the time they've been at that skydiving club 
um, I mean, he's got something going on because like Van Doren is married, but she's begun an affair with Marcel first, seeing him uh, most Saturdays. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so like, yeah, she's definitely gone on the weekends, like I said. Nothing and gets then, the motor going like plummeting to earth very, very fast. And we're like, we didn't die. <laughs> oh yeah, it's that. Yeah, exactly. The thr- And then, then the thrill. Oh, all of it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then uh, it's not clear whether the first else, Van Doren, the older one, was aware of it, but then Marcel started sleeping with Else Klopman's too, or Babs. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't want to call her Babs. I just can't. Yeah. Um, but she would have him on Fridays usually. Mm-hmm. So on November 10th, 2006, Else Van Doren was staying at Marcel's house in Eindhoven, I guess, Denmark, because he's that's where he's from. But so hop skipping a jump over there <laughs> yeah it's probably like 30 minute drive who knows so <laughs> 30 minutes you end up in a totally different country yeah <laughs> not like canada you drive 12 hours and you're in the same province <laughs> right it's like it's all like texas up here um so else van doren was at marcel's house when else klotman's showed up unexpectedly so marcel ended up making Klotman sleep on the couch downstairs while he took Van Doren up to the bedroom where they apparently made love all night long, loudly. Wow. As a girl at my work says, the audacity. <laughs> that the is appropriate. Audacity. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough. Um... And again, I don't think the first one knows, but the second one definitely knows. And now she knows she's, you know, on the couch. <laughs> I'd be setting this shit on fire downstairs and walking out. And they can yeah. exit. They can exit when the smoke alarm starts going off. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would. I carry Underwood his car. As long as you don't do what she did. I know. <laughs> About a week later, <clears throat> it's terrible. I'm sorry. They were all back at the skydiving club, prepping for a jump. Van Doren, Klotmans, Marcel Somers, and another random guy <laughs> at the club rehearsed their formation free fall that they were going to do. So once up in the Cessna plane, those little little planes, um, Van Doren and Somers and the second random dude jumped from the plane. But Klotman's jumped a fraction of a second too late, missing grabbing the hands of the group. Mm-hmm. And she watched as they took their positions in the formation, holding hands. Um, reports on the exact distance vary, but it seemed to be at around uh, 1,400 meters or about 4,500 feet up the three separated preparing to open their individual parachutes okay yeah so they like you know they do the thing when they hold the hands and yeah and they're like okay we did it cool we made a star for a few seconds okay bye okay i gotta get my parachute now all right yeah and <clears throat> she was trying to do that and her helmet video camera caught her 
desperately attempting to release her chute, only to find that the main chute and the backup were not opening. Dun, dun, dun. dun, dun. So bad. It'd be so terrifying. You just, you're like, okay, this is the safety. I mean, Everything that's supposed yeah. to be working is not. And then you've obviously separated from everyone else and you have seconds anyway. Yeah, so, it's, yeah. oh, I can't imagine it. I wouldn't, right. I mean, you would literally have to kick me in the back to get me out of a plane, whether or not I had a parachute. You'd have to shove me out of the plane. <laughs> like, yeah, sounds like a little bit of a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. Don't love oh. the height stuff. I'd be the person on the amazing race that's going like, oh, oh my God, oh my God, when they're trying to do the bungee jump or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I'll do the simulator where I just kind of lay down in a tube and it floats me around. <laughs> um, <Yeah. laughs> that seems dangerous enough. Uh, <laughs> like if the power that's went out and I suddenly just to the bottom <laughs> right I can get scared of a normal airplane that I'm not supposed to jump out of <laughs> yeah oh. um <clears throat> but yeah she uh else tried to do everything to save herself uh, was a quote from Luke uh, I don't know how to pronounce his last name Dijers I don't know the pilot of the plane she no. tried the reserve parachute but it wouldn't open that never happens end quote but it was all in vain there was nothing she could do to save herself as she plummeted to the ground at about 120 miles or 193 kilometers per hour oh my god did she like it sounds bad the question i'm about to ask did she explode <laughs> that, well it's basically at that you might as well be in a car crash at that point right but yeah. you have something around you oh my god. it just said she crashed into a suburban garden and was killed instantly mm -hmm. jesus yeah of course she was so high up and then nothing there's nothing you could do to arrest your fall like ugh. no there's no amount of like cushion i feel like at that speed that you could have that standing still like that that you would save somebody's life with no and it was all it's all on her camera, on her video camera, on her yeah. helmet, too. That's, like, horrible. And obviously that pilot was sitting up there watching. There's nothing he could do, either. I thought about that, too, how he was, yeah. like, oh, uh, And for, like, the other jumpers that weren't involved, how, like, horrifying that would be. Mm-hmm. Except so for the sad. one, right? Yeah. That's so sad. It's horrible. Um, but yeah, that's what happened. And then obviously upon inspecting Van Doren's equipment, it was discovered that the cords had been cut. So intentional tampering, of course. And it didn't take too long for investigators to hone in on home in. I think it's home in, but it's hone in, isn't it? It's one of those ones where I'm always like, <clears throat> I see people write it one way and then I'm like, I don't know. Anyway, they, they uh, knew it was her. <laughs> she yeah. had a history also of instability as far as like her mental health went. So hmm. um, it's not like she had attempted suicide before in 2006, but 
the one thing that really set them off was she did so again one month after Van Doren's death, right before they were supposed to question her a second time. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, sad. Doesn't look good, though, also. I have to say, <clears throat> why don't people... Like, not that you should have murdered him instead, but why don't, like, right. more women go after the dude that's cheating instead of the one he's cheating with, especially if you probably don't exactly. know about each other? Like, fuck him. Yeah. Don't, what like, attack the do? other girl that didn't know. Like. Exactly. That's right. Oh. She probably didn't know. And, like, yeah. you're like, okay, so shouldn't you be bad at fucking Marcel? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God yeah more it's people need senseless. to like just break up with people and be like fuck you instead of murdering each other yeah she clearly had some major issues um that yeah. she didn't get help with which um, is also sad but. oh exactly so she was arrested in january 2007 um that's not that long ago this is a reason no. i mean like I'm, I'm like 13 15 years ago <laughs> yeah because <sighs> i was pregnant i would have been pregnant with rain that year and she's just turned 14 yeah so yeah um ugh. and the prosecutor patrick boyan gave the details about the relationship with marcel somers summers i don't know how i said it before <laughs> it's like suzanne summers no, um, it's spelled Somers with an O, so I, I don't know. However you say that one. <laughs> I think it's Somers. Okay. <laughs> but he said he tried to shake off Klotman's. <clears throat> Klotman's said she knew he wasn't as interested in her anymore, too. She told media that she always knew she was number two with Somers and else, else uh, Von Doren was number one. She said it didn't bother her at first since she had such a low opinion of herself. So it's sad. It is it's a mental health issue, I think, at the core, yeah. which is the sad part. Yeah. Um, and basically that was their whole case, was that she had plenty of opportunity to sabotage the cords and motive, obviously. I mean, in her mind, I guess. She was there all night and Van Doren had her gear with her in the home. <clears throat> and the jury was shown some of the final footage from Else Van Doren's camera. Oh, that's bad. I don't bad. know if it was like, I don't know, probably as much as they needed to, but still, I'm sure that was horrific. Yeah, that would, you would remember that too much, even if you're not seeing like anything bad or violent even just her struggling to open the chute or anything like that knowing it's not so a movie. Heart yeah. yeah it'd be so heartbreaking to watch I didn't want I didn't seek it out that's for sure um so fortunately she was found guilty on October 20th 2010 uh Els Van Doren's husband and kids were present at the trial so unfortunately they had kids together um but the verdict was a win especially since they had literally no hard evidence that it was yeah. her yeah so that was good that they got her though i think it was her 
Yeah. yeah it seems <laughs> unlikely to be the random unnamed dude that was jumping with them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, if it was M. Night Shyamalan, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then he would have been um the pilot. <laughs> yeah. No. no, that's good. Bruce Willis. Be Bruce yeah. Willis. Random oh guy number two would just be the cameo of Bruce Willis suddenly oh in the movie. <laughs> yeah. So Klotman maintained her innocence the whole time, never confessing. She received a 30-year sentence, uh, which apparently was the ju- with the judge taking into consideration her mental health issues, her past, and like she wasn't unsympathetic, I would say, but she wanted to, her to be away for a while and yeah, try and get sane. <laughs> As yeah, hopefully no. she got some yeah. sort of like counseling and stuff. Right. And then the last I could find was that she lost an appeal in 2011. So she'd still be in there. So it was 2010. She's sentenced. It's 2022. Yeah. It's 2 2 2022 today. I know. That's too many twos. Should we make a wish? Yeah. Okay. So that I'm a, I'm a two quick caser today. That was my. That was my first case. That wasn't too bad, hey? Just I didn't know you had a second one. Good. Up my sleeve. If it's yeah. not I don't sneaky. Think we're too long yet. Yeah. No, we're good. I couldn't not talk about this one when it was on the list because I didn't know about it. Ressa at me. You probably knew about it. My sister. Um, <laughs> we're big <laughs> Simpsons fans in our house. And this is about an actor named Phil Hartman. It sucks. Okay. So honestly, I'll, it's, that's why it didn't cover. It's not long. <laughs> it's, it's like, here, here's all the shitty stuff. <laughs> Just like my reference was like, and we're now starting the downward spiral that doesn't stop. And, but like your case, there's good stuff about their life. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm like, we're going to bookend good and yep. good and then shit in the middle. Should I have saved the penises for the end? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> the penis astronaut facts. Okay. Let's just talk more about William Defoe at the end because I, I honestly have loved him since Spider Man. Like, he's a great actor. The Green Goblin like came out when, oh God. That's Spider Man, what? It came out when I was like seven. And Sorry, I, like, the Green Goblin just took on a whole new meaning. <laughs> But yeah, he's good. He's Thanks good. for that. But, <laughs> <laughs> no, I've always liked him since then. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's so good. He's a, yeah, he makes a good villain. I like to yeah. 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 Anyway. Um, Octo Pussy Guy is good too. No, Dr. Doc Ock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so there's a quote from Wikipedia. Philip Edward Hartman was a Canadian American actor, comedian, screen white, screen whiter. <laughs> screen white. Screen whiter. <laughs> we didn't get a lot of sleep, you guys. Yeah. Um, and graphic designer. Didn't know that. But Simpsons fans might remember him best as Troy McClure. Ugh, some of his best quotes um, as listed on screen rant and handpicked by me as my favorite from that list 
Hello, I'm Troy McClure. You may remember me from such Fox specials as Alien Nose Job and Five Fabulous Weeks of the Chevy Chase Show. <laughs> I never know if it's Chevy or Chevy. <laughs> Sorry. Chevy. Chevy. It's just, it's hard because they're both CHs, but then they make different sounds oh, in his first name I and see. his last name. Does that not fuck anyone else up? <laughs> just me. Chevy Chase. Got Chevy it. Chase. Anyway, so this, he's like, the character um, was like always in these like educational videos for like kids oh, okay. up in the class. So like Bill Nye, the science guy, <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, <laughs> hi, I'm Troy McClure. You might remember me from such public service videos as designated drivers, the life-saving lady. <laughs> <laughs> The life-saving nerds and phony tornado alarms reduce readiness. This one's so long. <laughs> I'm here today to give you the skinny on shoplifting, thereby completing my plea bargain with the good people at Foot Locker of Beverly Hills. Oh my God, what movie did I watch where like the girl literally, oh, uh, she has to do like these PSA ads and she's the daughter of somebody and she's like is that the last one okay bye and it was like her literally like community service she had to do all these like PSA oh, no. she didn't even whole- drinking and driving and she had to do an ad about it or like texting and driving or something oh no I can't remember what it was oh a movie I'm sure it was a movie I'm not sure <laughs> sounds oh. funny um hi i'm troy mcclure you may remember me from such medical films as alice doesn't live here anymore and mommy what's wrong with that man's face (laughs) hi i'm troy mcclure you might remember me from such telethons as out with gout 88 and let's save tony orlando's house (laughs) oh this one's from they're showing them a bunch of drivers ed drivers scary videos to these like what a terrible waste hi i'm actor troy mcclure you might remember me from such driver's ed films as alice's adventures through the windshield glass (laughs) and the decapitation of larry leadfoot for the next 60 minutes we'll be seeing actual film of car crash victims Ooh, i don't like when they do that yes they really make you know, I don't know. Well, you, I know you don't really watch a lot of Simpsons, but they like make jokes at themselves and at I networks know. and at. But I know, know, like in high school, or not even in high school, in middle school, when Mad came to our school, they played mm. audio that was like voicemails and oh. stuff that people had left as they were involved in like drunk driving car accidents and fucking died and they played the audio <sighs> for us with like sarah mclaughlin playing in the background in the arms <laughs> no it was adult. just like the audio and like you could hear people like sobbing and all Ugh. this stuff and so them talking That's... about just showing videos of the car crashes i'm like oh no i've listened to audio of people dying in car accidents <laughs> Oh, like we've been like much on a Tuesday fucking morning when you're like, I don't even have my license yet. Like, calm down. (laughs) Yeah, it was in middle school, so before grade ten. Yeah. Oh wow! Like, just oh, I didn't like it. No, no, not necessary. (laughs) No, not for middle schoolers. I don't think it was a bit much. (laughs) 
yeah it's anyway. true I don't, I don't enjoy <laughs> it, it just reminded me of that and I was like no I, I had pushed I had repressed that memory <laughs> see they're say they said some real shit in that show sometime that shit is crazy they shouldn't show people that no. I mean like I, I don't like when podcasts necessarily play like last audio shit either that's pretty crazy. no don't don't need that um dna is god's recipe for making you you take a dash of dad a pinch of mom then we bake for nine months and hmm that's good billy <laughs> oh, no. that one was so funny until the end <laughs> it's always weird i don't know who writes them this is from one where he goes out with their aunt selma my good and they go to his house i think because it's like my good looks paid for that pool and my talent filled it with water hi i'm troy mcclure your future uncle <laughs> and then from the one about i don't know mad cow disease <laughs> if a cow ever got the chance he'd eat you and everyone you care about <laughs> he's just the best character and his voice as he delivers them oh so anyway <laughs> He was born the 24th of September, 1948 in Brantford, Ontario. Ooh. So like we said, he's Canadian American. Um, and he did act on SNL where he was nicknamed glue for the way he always held the show together. Oh, that's sweet. I know. Um, he did also act on news radio, Sergeant Bilko, Jingle All the Way and Small Soldiers. Um, and married his third wife, Bryn Omdahl, in 1987, and they had two kids together. But speaking of bad marriages, <laughs> she, she was addicted to drugs and abused him. Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, women can abuse too. Yeah, they uh, tend to go a lot heavy on psychological. Mm. And I feel like a lot of people don't realize how yeah. many things like women do in relationships that are considered like psychological abuse that like people yeah. just feel is like typical girlfriend stuff and you're like no that's actually like classified as like emotional abuse yeah it it can be harder to spot that's true yeah that, rather yeah. than physical mm -hmm. But yeah, just put your shit out on Reddit and ask him, I the asshole? And people be like, dude, get the fuck out of that relationship. <laughs> right? Yeah. Ugh. Like this one. Um, she went out to dinner one night in May 1998 with a friend to Buca de Beppo. I just feel like I'd heard of that restaurant. So it, yeah, it sounds like vaguely familiar. Fancy? I don't know. Probably Italian. Um, yeah. She had drinks with a uh, friend and producer, Christine Zander, and she and Hartman argued when she got home. So around oh, 3 a.m. What? Sorry, it, like something cut out. Oh yeah, it's a little laggy. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry, you said they were, they were out for dinner? Yes. Um, but then when she got home, they argued. And Hartman went to bed, and then around 3 a.m., she shot him in the head, throat, and chest as he slept. What? Yeah. Straight up, she went to the physical abuse. Like, she just fucking, she just didn't even turn a corner. I don't know what the fuck. She snapped for sure. What were they arguing about? 
I, I don't even know. Wow. Like that's such an extreme reaction to take to like. Yeah, it honestly, I didn't read as many articles about this one as the other one, but it was more a focus on her mm. mental health, like the other lady, where it's like she, um, so it said she was on Zoloft and Coke and then she had been drinking. So I think it wow. was probably some of that too, but yeah. I don't know. That's awful. I know. I didn't, I didn't know this had happened to him. Um, she like drove to her friend's house, Ron Douglas, and she confessed immediately. And he like didn't believe her. <laughs> so went back with her to the house and then oh. called 911. So the cops came and removed the children. Um, and by that time, Brynn had locked herself in the bathroom and Aww. rather than give herself up, she shot herself. What? Yeah. It's like now they don't have parents. Lady, do you not love your kids? Oh, that's heartbreaking. And then yeah. like the kids were in the house and she left the house with like the kids there. Yeah. Body. That, that is, it all pisses me off. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah. That's that one um is basically that one although there was a little bit more that was interesting about it um there was uh there's John Lovitz who is an actor who has appeared on the Simpsons too and also he had a cartoon show called The Critic where his character would go it stinks it stinks <laughs> criticized movies <laughs> And um, he acted in uh, The Benchwarmers. And you ever see the movie oh Rat God. Race? We no, but I love The Benchwarmers. Oh, sorry. I, for some reason, thought you'd recognize the other one because that's the one I recognize. I don't no. Benchwarmers. The Benchwarmers was like my favorite movie for many years. Oh, so, so funny. So stupidly, too. <laughs> I just love who um, was in it. I don't know either. He's, I just like the yeah. Why the fuck can't I remember his name? The guy that plays Napoleon Dynamite. He's not in enough movies anymore. Oh um, shit! What is his name? Um, he's in it. Yeah. Oh. Well, he plays. Yeah, he plays a nerdy guy. I love it. Um, it's baseball, is it? Yeah. Uh, it's such a good movie it's so funny they warming up the bench well rat race is good i like freaking rat race a lot oh he's the millionaire in it a baseball loving millionaire john lovitz oh john Hader. is that yeah 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 okay oh i'll have to watch that that sounds funny it's it's a funny movie it might still be on netflix i'm pretty sure it was on netflix at one point i have so many movies i need to watch (laughs) it's so funny right after this <laughs> yeah oh I could I like love it that much it's such a stupidly funny movie well I like John Lovitz he's a funny actor this guy um, yeah so he uh has accused Andy Dick another actor that a lot of people know I don't know comedy the name sounds familiar but I feel like I can't attach a face to the name he has a douchey face with these big <laughs> thick black glasses and curly hair i don't know he's kind of d-list like uh kathy griffin um <laughs> so 
he okay so john lovitz accused andy dick of getting bryn hartman whatever back into coke so they have had a few run-ins since bill hartman's death um lovitz said that dick came up to him at a restaurant and said i put the phil hartman curse on you you're the next to die so john had him kicked out of the restaurant okay well petty she's an adult so i mean she got back into drugs it's yeah there's not a lot good gonna come out of this feud i don't think yeah <laughs> how about but, you put your effort into helping out the kids instead of hating each yeah, other that's so true just like help your friend's kids that. that he can't be there for exactly yeah i have who raised them um but yeah the the uh, the last of their feud was that the next year at the Laugh Factory, jo- Lovett slammed Dick's head into a bar. <laughs> Which, well, I don't know, aggressive for him. So, yeah. <laughs> and then when uh, Phil Hartman's character was killed off on news radio, like after Hartman died, that's when John Lovett joined the show. So I was like, oh, maybe that's possibly why he felt like he had to defend Hartman so much. I don't know. But Bryn's sister and brother-in-law raised the kids, um, who then got the kids got to split the $1.23 million inheritance when they turned 25. So they did okay. But that fucking sucks because their parents are still dead, and I'm sure they'd still rather yeah. dad was alive and probably their mom. Ooh, that sucks. And then the Simpsons, rather than replacing Hartman, retired the character of Troy McClure. Um, and Matt Groening has called Phil Hartman a master. Mm. I just thought that was cute and I wanted to include that. But yes, I ended it on a sad note. Yeah, bummer. <laughs> mm-hmm. I couldn't, I was like, I can't only cover that case. That would be just fucking, I don't know. <laughs> True crime is hard. I know. It is. Yeah. I know we might, yeah you guys know it's a balance (laughs) yeah especially well it's different when you're the one telling the story you always feel like you're like I can't joke too much I have to be yeah but also then you're like we're a comedy podcast so that's why I just said and he's a dick and this guy's a dick like a thousand times because I couldn't really say anything else without being like "Mm." you know what a lot of dicks this episode gonna say you could probably make your drinking (laughs) every time dick or penis was mentioned yeah (laughs) whether colloquially like he's a or andy dick or (laughs) dicks are us (laughs) that's and that's our episode oh and i think we picked what we're doing next episode too yes which we haven't announced to you guys no and then i remember what it is now it's Scottish lore. Yeah. And that will be out on March 4th. Yes. So reminding everybody that we will not have a new episode on the 18th of February or the 25th. Brief hiatus. So, yeah. Because we're going to Vegas. Damn so, straight. Yeah. But we might have some content for Patreon. So 
there will be some Vegas related stuff hopefully no true crime other than pictures of a million at the billions (laughs) convenient Cofino? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> just making up words over here um, <laughs> that's how we do yeah well thanks for listening catch you next time uh keep it cryptic i'm making it happen <laughs> <laughs> stop trying to make fetch happen <laughs> all right bye-bye bye <laughs> Yay, we did the thing. This has been Castles and Cryptids. You can listen to our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor, Breaker, Pocket Casts, and our YouTube channel. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Reddit. On our website, you can listen to all of our episodes as well as view pictures for each of our segments. Check out our Patreon page to view all of our tiers and become a Patreon supporter today to unlock monthly bonus episodes and behind-the-scenes content. We are working on an Ask Us Anything. You can submit questions by social media or by email at castlesencryptids at gmail.com. Do you have a spooky ghost story, a creepy cryptid sighting, or a thrilling true crime tale you would like to share and have us include in a future episode? Send us your listener story by social media or by email please include the name that you would like mentioned. Our music is by Kobe Affair. Our logo and artwork is by Antonio Garcia. Thanks for listening.